0: Welcome in to what was supposed to be game week number one for Penn State football. Would have been a much different conversation here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, but as things stand, September 1st, Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you, and uh, different kind of conversations swirling around the Big Ten. We're going to get to that in just a second. Turns out there was a vote taken among chancellors and presidents in the conference we learned this uh three weeks after the decision is made, but we learned it nonetheless. And we're going to talk about a big moment for the class of 2022 as they step into the spotlight. Uh And also, the 2021 recruiting class, 13 members committed for Penn State currently. What lies ahead? Which positions need to be prioritized? And what are the key names to know as we reset the target board for Penn State? Uh, Just about f- three and a half months shy now of the early college football signing period. But Sean, news broke on Monday, and it wouldn't be a Monday anymore if there wasn't some kind of Big Ten controversy brewing. We got a big one on Monday this week. Uh, The Big Ten vote, several reports coming out, uh, ESPN, The Athletic, confirmed by 24-7 Sports, and then additionally, uh, we saw the Big Ten release a statement confirming a vote did happen 11-3 in favor of postponing the fall sports season out of 2020, and those three per reports that voted to play football or play fall sports in the fall, Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State. What say you, Mr. Fitz? I have a lot of things to
1: say. Uh, first off, the the flaming dumpster just keeps flying down the, the hill, doesn't it? I mean, just uh, the Big Ten, which was you know this seemingly unified conference for so long, is now just kind of trying to eat each other alive, it looks like. That's, where, that's really the direction that this has taken. Why this took three weeks to get out. I I don't know if they were scared of the results getting out, but you know, the speculation sometimes can be worse. And I think that's what we've gone through over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I don't think it surprises anybody that, you know, the the numbers are skewed in one direction, but at the same time, it's just like you've got Nebraska going after everybody. You've got you're gonna have Ohio State going after the rest of the conference, you're gonna have Iowa in the I mean, it's just there's nothing going on that's unified right now, and that's pretty much where we stand on a college football season in the Big Ten. And now all of a sudden, you're you're looking at the SEC starting to get going. You're looking at these other conferences that are starting to play, and you, they just look worse and worse every day. And and really, you could see this coming. And that's the worst part. There's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money to sit back and you know just just let this thing roll down the hill. And it's and it's it's incredible to to, to just see. Uh, the dysfunction at every level and you know the, the vote is what it is I mean I, I mean if you if you come out with it now versus coming out with it three weeks ago what what's the you know what or excuse me flip those uh, what's the harm um, and, and I don't see it and we talked to Sandy Barber a couple of weeks ago she says there wasn't a vote presidents say there wasn't a vote now other people saying there is a vote just more confusion in this conference and it's and it's making
0: them a laughing stock and, and frankly they deserve it. Quick correction there. Sandy Barber said she didn't know if there was a vote, which was—I mean, I would have rather heard one or the other. By that point, from an athletic director entering a press conference six days after your fall sports season is postponed, and it's going to be a, a tremendous nine-figure loss uh, for the university, a nine-figure loss for the community, and all these—you uh, know—these businesses that are reliant upon Penn State football and, and just an active campus and athletics happening. Still. No, no clarity from Sandy Barber six days after that decision went in, which either she was mis misinforming us in the media and she had to know that was going to be the main topic of conversation. How did it get to this decision? Three separate occasions she said she did not know. She did not know. Uh, it wasn't clear to her whether there was a vote. Um, so either she was misleading us or she was misled by President Barron here at Penn State. Uh, I think I know there's a lot of uh, probably conspiracy theories about what is going on behind the scenes here. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to see where James Franklin was on the on the decision. We talked about that. The day the decision came out about 6 hours before the Big 10 released its postponement news, James Franklin was making his plea on ESPN national television explaining why it made sense for the Big 10 not to reach a conclusion Right then and there, and maybe give itself a couple more weeks. Let the process play out. Let the programs continue to practice and see where things stood. Maybe when you get into September, um, now of course, Sean, uh, we're not we have not heard from Barron, and I think that's a huge issue here locally among Penn State fans because um, you get so many different things. Minnesota's president uh, said there was not a vote per se. Uh, that was a few weeks ago uh, when all the reports were initially coming out. Uh, again, Sandy Barber couldn't confirm and i just reread you know the article that i put together a few weeks ago from barber um and i'm just wondering how could we get to this point september 1st and still not you know kind of just i don't understand if you had the conviction to vote uh, to postpone the big 10 season you had to have it for good reasons and and the big 10 uh, put out here that that uh, it was you know, two groups of ex- experts advised the league based on multiple medical factors that apply to all 14 universities. That's the reason why they postponed this thing. Um, but to not hear anything officially from Penn State here and knowing how much financially is in play and knowing how much personally is on the line for not just athletes in that football locker room, but all your fall sports athletes and all the coaches and all the supporting staff who are uh, involved there, many of them now at risk of at least being furloughed, potentially losing their jobs um, to not come out and say what your convictions were and why you're standing by them. I think that needs to happen sooner rather than later. If the cat's out of the bag on the vote and we know that Penn State was a pro, was a, a university that decided to go with the other 10 and vote against a fall sports season, just explain why. Explain why to the people who are paying tuition. Explain why to the parents who are paying tuition and explain why to your own coaches and players who have invested in your university uh, to continue with, you know, it's a mutual investment, but it just feels like that, that correspondence, that communication. For it to be so opaque on September first, when this decision came out, August eleventh. I mean, what, what's
1: going on? It's like Roy Wally in Vacation. He says uh, somebody better explain, or there else there'll be a lot of explaining to do. I, I just don't know, man. We got a statement through through a uh, through an intermediary from Eric Barron a couple of weeks ago saying he supported the conference's decision. You absolutely, you know, have to you know believe that now, uh, seeing as how uh, the vote comes out, but. I mean, just there's just nothing really that we can go on to, to you know, to, to see what went into the decision to see. I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the eventual decision, but the, the way that they've gone about it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth, gives yourself all, you know, maybe they back into a November, December or something like that, but just leaves you out of options. And that's really where we stand just a couple of weeks later. And, You know, they they could have been practicing, they could have been, you know, at least keeping themselves on campus, keeping themselves secluded, keeping themselves safe. And now all of a sudden, you've had guys come home, you've had students on campus, you've had an uptick of cases because students have come back into town. And then you're going to probably see an uptick of cases in athletics. All of a sudden, that, that all that stuff just fell apart, and you know that's going to be a reason that we're that we're in the situation that we will be in for the next couple
0: of weeks. A few weeks ago, you know, yes, we understand the why why you may be motivated to push back false sports. We all understand what's going ar- along. It's the backdrop to all of our lives here in 2020 with the pandemic and and its impact on just just about every part of of, of what we try to do day to day as citizens of this country. Uh, but how did you get to that point? And that's the one thing that has. Has been answered it's it's the reason why you have all these questions it's the reason why you have conspiracies and it's also the reason why you have guys like Pat Fryermouth and Sean Clifford on Saturday while Sean's little brother Liam Clifford is going out and putting up a hundred plus receiving yards on national TV and playing football in a high school game that you have both those guys openly questioning why is everybody else seemingly playing football and not the Big Ten? And, and and it's, you know, you got to explain how you got there. And to this point, um, you know, we, we've we learned, how, you know, and, and this is the other thing, Sean, the Big Ten, I don't want it to make it look like uh, for the sake of transparency, they put this out there on Monday and just to let us know, um, this was something that had to be unearthed due to a lawsuit that was filed by eight Nebraska players. Um, and then in response to that, um, as part of a brief the Big Ten filed, they unveiled that this vote took place. Uh, you know, They stated that uh, the 60% threshold, according to the bylaws, they got almost 80% when you look at the 11 versus 3. But this is, wasn't the Big Ten saying, oh, by the way, we should have mentioned this three weeks ago uh, for the sake of transparency. Here's what we got. This is them doing that in response to a lawsuit. And I don't think that's a good look to, to stack on top of this
1: honestly that more came from that lawsuit than I expected just to have this come out is 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 a big thing so you know kudos to those Nebraska players for for getting that done but uh yeah I mean you look across the country you've got football starting uh over the weekend which was you know it was nice to see on TV and everything like that but you've also got programs still going down you got Auburn missing days of practice because they're missing chunks of their roster but the SEC SEC still forging ahead I mean it's uh it's really remarkable to sort of watch and and see how this has all gone. And you know, are they are they doing it out of spite for the Big Ten, the Pac twelve? Maybe. I mean, maybe some of it. I, I mean, I obviously I doubt that's the end goal here, but you're continuing to sort of push ahead and push through. And really, it just seems like the Big Ten just gave up. And that's I think that's really where people are going to sort of land when they take when they take a look back on this in a couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years from now. Is you know one one. Conference stayed together, or three conferences stayed together and forged on, and, and a couple gave up very easily, and that's that's unfortunate. And without the clarity, without the, um, I guess, the transparency, as as you said, this is you know skewing toward a political uh, you know outcome, and that's really what you know you you think they would try to avoid, but Strong. leaving yourself open for that, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> leaving yourself open for that, leaving yourself no, uh, ex- you know explanations for
0: your actions is opening it up for people to believe that that's, that's the case here. If it was skewing towards a political outcome, it has been officially uh, forearm shoved toward that result because Donald Trump weighed that, in on this. Just the, <laughs> that the Titanic was skewing toward an iceberg. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So. Trump, Trump weighs in on this and when he weighs on anything, people are going to be polarized to that. And, and uh, uh, Trump said he had a productive conversation with commissioner, Kevin Warren, uh, about immediately starting up the Big Ten. This is based on a tweet from the president uh, here on Friday, late morning, early afternoon, and it's gotten a lot of reaction, clearly. And you wonder what it means. He says they're on the one-yard line. I don't know if that means they got 99 yards to go or they're just looking to punch it in. But based on what I understand, we have now heard... Looking at the spring, and then we're looking at January kickoff, and then maybe we're looking at Thanksgiving kickoff, and now we're talking about immediately. And you hear people saying October. It, if the other, I mean, if if the Big Ten is really going to take a massive, massive backpedal here and, and play football in the fall, I mean, you're going to have to start the clock almost over in some ways from where you were that first week of June. You got to get all these guys back on campus. We talked last week. Plenty of these Penn State players had their you know entire academic schedule slated towards being away from classrooms, doing that all online. And so there's a lot of opportunity here where you know Franklin went and visited his family. Players have gone and visited family. They visited uh, loved ones that they would have been isolated from a few months, and and now they're all scattered. So when they check back in together, um, now I don't know to what degree that's already taken place, Sean. But within that program, it's not like you can just say. Hey, report to the practice field on on Thursday afternoon. Big Ten football is going to happen. There's going to be a, have to be an entire process to reacclimate your players from a physical standpoint, uh, from a health and safety standpoint. Not to mention your staff. Um, and, and then are you then suddenly behind the other Power Five conferences? Um, are you playing your own kind of season in a vacuum? There's just uh, I mean, it, 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 there is just so much noise around this and, and and you know we're planning our lives around no football this fall and and, and yet now I'm wondering if if I'm going to get a call and say hey there's a game to cover next week or there's a game to cover in three weeks you know it's just so bizarre Sean
1: it's it is bizarre and you I mean you just take a look across the country and it's I mean it's uh It's really, really a very interesting case study that we'll take a look back on someday and just, I I hope we laugh. I don't think it's going that way, but I hope we laugh. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make a a ton of sense from that aspect. And and you've got to get your players back. You've got to, like I said, I think we're heading for a spike. You've got 40,000 kids on campus that weren't here when they started camp and they were testing and doing all that well and keeping all these people away. And now all of a sudden you've got this situation that, that, that may pop up. So we just saw it at Iowa the other day. I think 90 some positive tests out of Iowa yeah, 93
0: athletics. in their new wave of testing, 93 yeah, positive and,
1: tests. And I, I fear it's going to skew that way for Penn State as well, given the situation that they were in. Whereas if you keep them on campus, you keep them, you know, you don't even have to practice, you know, let them practice, have them do the walkthroughs, have them do the workouts, all that stuff. You're at least keeping them in that contained environment. And that's uh, that's not where
0: we're at right now. And of course, while the rest of the country is tends to look at the Big Ten and jest right now, we're also looking at these other conferences and wondering how their experiment is going to turn out here uh, uh, playing football amid the pandemic. And you've got uh, just news breaking while we were getting ready for this, 10 Central Florida players opting out of their season, uh, Central Florida in the top 25 preseason. You've got LSU down to 70 scholarship guys on their roster. Opt out, opt out, opt out. All the top talent seems to be leaving from them when they've got... They've got SEC matchups on the schedule, ready to roll this fall. Um, And then Tennessee, Auburn, both pausing workouts in recent days. So look, nothing is a foregone conclusion. I think it's pretty funny to see anybody in any end of this spiking the football in early August or in, in early September or the end of August. Been really fascinating to see some of the SEC pundits or people who kind of lean toward SEC centric coverage. It seems like almost, you know, uh, spiking the football, like celebrating. And, and, and as if anything was a foregone conclusion, we got a lot to learn, but, you know, I, I think either way, the big 10 has just really, you know, really put itself in a corner here, um, regardless of how it turns out for other conferences. And I think they've, in, in a way they've got a lot of making up to do leadership uh, at universities and leadership within these athletic uh, programs, specifically football, guys like James Franklin got guy, uh, guys like Ryan Day. Well, not not necessarily his program because they supported football, but. I don't know where the connection is right now between President Barron and James Franklin, because very clearly they were on two different wavelengths a few weeks ago on the same day the Big Ten postponed. You got James Franklin explaining exactly why. And you wonder, did he have that conversation? Did he make that case for the president of the university or was he making it to the nation Uh, I'm sure Barron caught wind of that on the day it happened, but you just wonder where's that disconnect going to take those relationships moving forward. And, 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 you know, you know how important that is to, to have uh, a guy like James Franklin. And, and the guy running your your university and making those kind of decisions, at least somewhat hand in hand on a lot of the important subjects. And, and I just wonder if this results in a bit of scorched earth at different university campuses, whether it be the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and a loss of trust among leadership and throw Sandy Barber in that until we hear otherwise for her to not have semblance of an idea how it got to this point six days after the decision was made and we still haven't heard from her uh as far as I know she still doesn't know if a vote took place so uh, I mean there's just a lot to dig through there's certainly a lot to more wade through than dig
1: through <laughs> um if you're up to your hips in it but it's uh it's pretty crazy the Big Ten also there's talks I think since the last episode that we had um, where the Big Ten was talking about a potential November start that seems to have fizzled out a little bit. I think it's probably you know pushing toward more of a January. I think that's the plan you know from what you hear, some of the uh, it's more of a football coach's uh, plan than anything just to get going, but early January just after the break, bring them back after Thanksgiving because most of these schools or if not all of these schools won't have students on campus after Thanksgiving bring them back, maybe make a camp atmosphere through December, and then maybe try and hit the ground running, play in Detroit, play in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, something like that, and then get that out there. I think that's I think that's the most realistic plan. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, there's so many things that go into it logistically, but I think that that's really, if you're setting your mark as to when the next time you'll see football, I think
0: January is probably still got to be the most realistic possibility. Stay tuned. There may be a completely new conversation on this subject in the second episode this week. We spent longer than I thought we would, but you get going on this topic, and, and I'm certainly guilty of this. You can go on you, for a you while. You got hot there, man. Yeah. Well, look, hey, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out: Am I covering football this fall? Am I not? Are we? Are we doing it? Or can I? Can I write about the current team? Is the current team not going to exist? I, I mean, look, I want answers just as much as anybody, and you know, for a lot of people, this is uh, this is something that you know they look forward to outside of work. This is our jobs, and and I. Think Think you can sympathize with that? As you know, day to day, the more we hear and, and, and the more that's not verified, it just you know it gets trickier to kind of figure out what the best way to approach this fall is. And, and we're trying to you know to create good content on twenty four seven sports, and it's just kind of like, dude, what the heck is happening, and why can't we get an answer? So well, you're you're, you're going to
1: Gettysburg this weekend, so I'm gonna I suggest that you just go one to zero this weekend, <laughs> focus on Gettysburg, yeah. um, you know, just. Try to be the Union, win Gettysburg, and then we'll we'll, we'll get to the next one, uh, the uh, the the next trip and next weekend or or the next football or the next football talk next week. So just Sounds focus good. on this weekend, be one to zero. It is football season after all.
0: Yeah, first trip to Gettysburg. Looking forward to that. I'll, I'll stay away, which probably means something huge will will, will pop up over the course of those forty eight hours that I'm away from State College. So stay tuned for that. Um, On a completely different subject here, but nonetheless, one that has been a bit of a lightning rod for our listeners and our readers on Lions 24-7, the 2021 recruiting class for Penn State, right now outside of the top 30 overall when you look at 24-7 sports composite rankings, a far cry from the last four cycles in which Penn State signed a top 15 class each time around, but Some of these players that we're talking about, you tack them in, you use that class calculator tool that we have on 24-7 Sports, and it starts to paint a better picture with some of those names on board, but will they get them on board? We're going to jump into our mailbag right now. I know we usually stash it for later in the show, but we wanted to get this one up earlier on uh, the segment uh, because it's a great question that came our way this week on the Apple Podcast with our five-star mailbag. Throw your rating and review in there. Throw in your question. Look forward to more. But Sean, let's jump into this one. The question goes, obviously, Nolan Rucci and Derek Davis are Penn State's top two targets now that the John Warren is off the board. After those two, who do you think rounds out the top five Penn State targets? And what positions do you think this staff targets with highest priorities to round out the class? I'm sorry. I just got cut up on the other question
1: that you sent me because I was trying to to read it about Manny Bowen being reinstated. Uh, yeah, what what's that? I I, I just <laughs> I, honestly I was I was looking for the question you sent me and I just saw that you sent me this other question. No, Manny Bowen's not coming back. Um, and that's actually dated this week
0: or this month or last month. Um, but yeah, yeah, I double-checked to make sure that wasn't from last August just, and somehow glitched on the Apple pie So dumbfounded by it. I'm, <laughs> I, I got lost there for a second.
1: But anyway, back to the actual question at hand. Yes, I mean, obviously, Nolan Rucci and Derek Davis, the big fish that are left out there, uh, those top two are, are anybody's top two. I mean, you can flip-flop them, you can do whatever you want, and you know they're still going to be a top two. Beyond that, it gets a little bit murky. You got 13 commitments right now, probably looking right around 18. Of course, the target list continues to shrink. You have had Kelvin Gilliam go off the board last week. Deshaun Warren go off the board. So, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a little bit to work with, but not much. So you're full at quarterback. You're full at linebacker. You're full at corner, as we said last week tight end, running back, receiver kind of on the back burner right now given the numbers that you have on campus and given the situation that you're in because you're going to kind of be combining those classes with 2020, 2021 and then eventually 2022. You you don't really you know you, you have a little bit more wiggle room with those spots. Now receiver could still be open um so all of a sudden uh you know a big target pops up um A lot of the names that we've been talking about, though, like Omari Hatcher is probably going to commit to to Syracuse this weekend. Penn State really went in another direction. Dominic Lovett out uh, west is uh, probably going to go to Arizona State. Penn State was hot and cold on him. There's a bunch of guys like that that they were just kind of hot and cold with. And really, I I don't see the need for another receiver in this class, but – We'll see, you know, that that's something that might come around at the end of the cycle. So you're still looking at offensive line, namely offensive tackle. You're still looking at defensive end, which is the one of the biggest, if not the biggest needs in this class. And it's still fairly well open with just Rodney McGraw committed. D-tackle is still there. They lost Gilliam, um, still guys on the board, but you don't need D-tackles given what's on the roster, given the the makeup of the guys that you brought in last year and what was already on the roster for that. And then safety, of course, Derek Davis uh, kind of fills that, that void. So, you look at maybe a top five, so I'm looking right away at defensive end, a number one priority, Davon Townley uh, at, at Minneapolis. It's going to be a tough sell. He hasn't visited anywhere. Um, he hasn't even gone for an unofficial visit at Minnesota. Um, football player, basketball player, pretty good basketball player. I took a look at his some of his uh, highlights, and you know he's a he's a low to mid major ba- uh, Division one basketball player, which is obviously good to see if you're a defensive end. So I think he's re- really right at the top of the list. George Rooks is a guy that they look. Uh, that they they like a lot he's been to Penn State a couple of times during the shutdown really looks like Penn State Michigan right now he's in that mold where he's probably an end right now but he's going to end up eventually being a defensive tackle I think he's probably a tier below uh, Gilliam and some of those guys Taiwan Malone is obviously still on the board Uh, I didn't include him in this five because he seems to be looking down south really heavily weighing baseball in his decision and that's not really a, a plus for Penn State there um, so tackle still in uh, a spot that you can go to going back to that defensive end spot. Uh, Patrick Payton is a guy that we've talked about a lot and, and Penn state's trying to flip some guys. And some of that is sort of under the cover of darkness. Patrick Payton's a little bit more out in the light. The Nebraska commit J one siders on never been to Penn state, never been to Nebraska. So you can continue to chip away at that as you get to December. So I think that that's, you know, it, it's, it's, a poten- certainly a potential flip, um, uh, Uh, Khalil Dinkins. Sorry, I almost called him Darnell. Khalil Dinkins, the tight end from North Allegheny, still on the board, even though Penn State, you know, I I said what I said about um, uh, tight ends in this class because you really don't need one, especially with two already on board in 2022 and, and you took two last year in 2020. But Dinkins is a guy they think very highly of. I think they would still take him at this point. Uh, Penn State, Pitt. I think Michigan State's still in the in the mix as well. He's a very quiet kid. He really hasn't done much and hasn't really shown much of uh, much initiative in terms of making a decision. Uh, so that's really one that could be all over the board. And number five, and probably not in this order, but I just left him in this order uh, because he's he probably about to announce – uh, Diego Pounds, the offensive tackle out of North Carolina, is a guy. that's probably going to be Penn State or North Carolina. It's probably going to be very soon. So we're keeping a close eye on Diego Pounds, and I think he would go a long way in sort of solidifying that group up front. Obviously, Rucci is the gem, but Pounds is a high upside guy, a project that you can stash um, for for a couple of years, and you know combine him with Nate Bruce and combine him with Landon Tangwall. It's a, it's a pretty good haul right there. So those are five, and I may have probably stretched to seven right there, but those are five guys that are. I'm probably focused on
0: outside of those two big fish and Rucci and, De- and Derek Davis. I joined you in putting a crystal ball pick in for pounds, a conversation with Landon Tangwall reminded me that I meant to do that, Uh, and and Tengwall sounding very confident, sounding like he wants to be roommates with Diego Pounds down the line And Happy Valley. We'll find out if that comes to fruition. It will be a great addition to that offensive line class. You've got Nate Bruce on board last October, Landon Tengwall following in March. Uh, If you can finish with Pounds and Rucci, be a really, really, really nice haul uh, for Phil Troutwine, but but work to do there. And, and Sean, you you mentioned some of those names, uh, whether it's Townley, Rooks, um Dinkins is one to me that, that you know, away from the defensive line, because that certainly is a priority, um, you know, d- you know kind of what you think the thought process is uh, for determining whether it's the right year to take a running back or the right year to take a tight end, because, you know, both of those positions we've talked about. They're in great shape. You just signed a couple prospects in the last cycle in 2020. Um, you like your chances to add more talent in 2022. They've already done that at tight end, a couple top 10 overall prospects there. We'll see what they do at running back. But, um, you know, it seems t- to me, is that more just Dinkins being in the region, being in the state, a guy who's more familiar with the program? Is that why you say might, might make more sense to bring on a tight end than a running back? Because the running back uh, trail, as far as I understand, has gone really quiet in 2021. Yeah, I,
1: th- I think that has something to do with it. You take a look at what Penn State and uh, and all the schools have had to deal with in terms of getting guys on campus and being able to uh, really host the guys that they want. And running back and tight end have been two positions that they've taken the national approach. Uh, people forget that Nick Elksness was committed for about seven months in this class to start out this class, so um, you you know you you look at the striking out on uh, Mataveo and Jack Pugh and some of those other guys. You really didn't lump uh, uh, Dinkins in there with them, but he's been to campus. He's a guy that you know people speak highly of in terms of uh, upside and things like that. Versatile athlete. I don't see him playing defense. I don't think he wants to play defense, but he's got uh, you know he's got a lot of things that that would make your team better. And really, he's got the NFL bloodlines. He might still be growing. He's got he's got a lot going for him. So I think that's really where it comes. Down to it, and then if you look conversely at running back, you're going after, of course, Donovan Edwards in Michigan, uh, Katravian Hargrove, uh, the former Louisiana Tech commit in Louisiana, and Amari Daniels in Miami. Those guys aren't going to get to campus anytime soon, and they've seen other places, they've been other, you know, they've got other schools that are closer to home that are, uh, you know, chipping away at them. So. While they may delay their decision for a while, I mean, logic kind of says that they're probably not going to end up at Penn State unless, you know, Jawan Sider can pull a rabbit out of his hat, which he's done before. And, yeah, obviously it's not – the odds are not stacked against him there. But I think it would be a pretty tough sell so you know you kind of go with the safer option, the closer to home option, the guy that's been on campus, the guy that you've been recruiting for a while, and really you look at the competition. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Donovan Edwards. You've got schools like Michigan and Georgia, and, and Amari Daniels. You've got Texas A&M and Miami and Georgia, and you've got you know you got all these uh, really good schools coming after him. And it kind of sounds like I'm downplaying what Dinkins has on his offer sheet, but you know, Pitt, Michigan State are, are schools that you go head to head with and beat more time more often than not so you've got probably a better chance of adding him to your class and those other those other guys that are a little bit
0: further away well in the 2022 class if you didn't hear our conversation with jerry cross on the last episode last friday you'll, you probably walked away pretty confident about where things are heading with cross with that 2022 group uh, we're going to get into that 2022 class just a bit more right around the corner. Big day for them, September 1st, high school juniors across the country. The floodgates have opened for their communication. They love it right now. We'll see if they're still loving it by the end of this month, much less next year. Uh, But we're going to talk 2022 class. Where Penn State's moving there in just a moment. Also, another crystal ball pick to get to that Sean put in this week regarding an in-state prospect. Uh, Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. The high school junior football players, uh, experiencing a new reality for their recruitments heading into September 1st. As of midnight, Monday into Tuesday, their phones were blowing up and, and that will be persistent for many of them. Penn State on the other end of a lot of those texts and conversations early on. And, uh, Sean, it's, it's a, it's a day that everybody anxiously looks forward to. But I thought what was really funny to, funny about this was guys like Lennon Tangwall in the 2021 class saying, you don't know what's coming. I mean, I don't know about the, you know, what's, you don't know what's coming, but you, you look at the, it's kind of a
1: tale of two, two cycles here because 2021 sort of puttering along, doing its thing. And 2022, you're talking about uh, having conversations about whether you're going to take pretty good players or not. So I'm not sure what sparked it into gear or what made it happen, but 2022, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you've got some momentum. You've got uh, a couple of commitments in there. I think more are going to come, uh, you know, probably not in the not too distant future. So. I mean, it's it. You've got some momentum. so You might as well capitalize on it.
0: Well, the the conversation started early. They continue into the morning. Uh, report from Andrew Ivins of Twenty Four Seven Sports does a great job covering the South Florida recruiting territory down there. Uh, he mentions that that James Franklin on the phone with five star defensive end Sean Shamar Stewart. Uh, just an example of of how far-reaching the communication is today among the Penn State staff. If you follow them on Twitter, you've probably seen every assistant coach put out something about, you know, hashtag we are 22 or 2022 class you're up now. Um, You know, a lot of attention there and, and, and it's, it is interesting. As you said, We're talking about 2021 class, three stars, uh, four stars maybe filling out the rest of it. Can, Can he get into the top 25, top 20 maybe? Right now, 2022 class, you're sitting pretty. Only Ohio State and LSU with more commits. Uh, you got three, four stars on board, and the top Pennsylvania quarterback. What stands out to you about September first this time around? And to me, I'll just I'll just throw it out there. Usually, you would have had a, some 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 more face time with a lot of these high school juniors. You would have had them for camps, had them for recruiting events, whether it be something like the Lash Bash in July or the Spring Game back in April. None of that happened, so I feel like. There's a lot more ice to break on September 1st, 2020 than there would on the average September 1st when you're when you're kind of expanding your conversations with these high school juniors. See, I kind of uh, go against that. I think that given what they've had over the
1: last couple of months, it's given them time to get ahead of this class, given them time to do more research, given them time to establish. So what September 1st changes, and some of you that, that aren't familiar with the rules, so before this time, the coach could not just pick up the phone and call the kid. And you, you have to go through a coach. You have to go through an intermediary. The kid has to call the coach, get in touch with the coach. It's a situation where, say, you've got a top target that calls you and you're in the shower or something. You miss the call. You can't call that kid back, and you know you never know how people are going to say it. And you can't even send him a message to say, "Hey, I'm sorry I missed you because you know I was unavoidably detained or whatever." And I mean, it's just uh, it's it's kind of uh, all over the place. So you get to September 1st. Now you can have electronic communication. Coaches can send you some things. You can get more information. You know, you can have a conversation that that's not over the phone. You can you know go back and forth with DMs. You can have coaches that'll send you all this kind of stuff just to you know, keep that relationship going. So I think it's kind of the opposite with this class because you've had a chance to get out ahead of it. You've seen the results already with some of these guys, and you've had some of these guys on campus already, uh, already for visits, for camps, for lash bashes, whiteouts, what have you. So um, they've kind of hit the ground running and have done a really good job. And, you know, there just seems to be a little bit more buzz right now. What's funny to me is is uh, recruits really look forward to this September 1st date and that's not always, you know, the best thing to do because you. I, I talked to, I think it was Anthony Smith, kid I wrote about uh, from Shippensburg earlier this week, and you know he's kind of detached from the process, doesn't really know what was going on. He said he had to shut his phone off shortly after midnight last night, just so many messages coming through, so many dings, so many DMs, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's funny to watch these kids that are so excited to get going. And it's, I mean, it's awesome. It's so great. I mean, you're you're having people hit you up from all over the country. Some schools that you never even heard from before trying to get in and, you know, sort of drive a wedge in there and, and get their foot in the door. And then all of a sudden it's like, Okay, I mean, it, it I, I said last week September fifth is gonna be like, okay, this this is getting old already. So we've seen that sort of come off uh, from prospects already. It,
0: it's just funny to me that it happens every year and and, and never ceases to uh, t- to make me laugh, really. When I referenced Lennon Tengwall saying, like, you don't know what's coming, that, that's what I meant. Like, he, he was saying, like, you all seem so excited about these, about September 1st to get here, but just give it a few days and see what you're thinking about then. And I, I think he actually pointed, he told someone to delete a tweet because I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it was that, I'm not going to put the information out there, and hopefully they did delete it, but a pretty notable player on the 2022 Penn State target board actually tweeted out his cell phone number Uh, not a great thing to do for, for any recruit for really for anyone on Twitter who has an account to put their personal information out there, but like, it's now a two way street. And for a long time, um, they, you know, they would communicate with their high school coach and a high school coach might say, you know, so-and-so from Penn state, uh, reached out to me today. Here's their number. They'd love a chance to talk with you. And then you reach out back or you could say, I don't want to have that conversation now. They're directly, uh, you know, contacting you. It's an awkward spot to be in if you're committed to a program. You better believe me. Uh, teams are not leaving Jerry Cross alone today on September 1st just because he committed to Penn State in late July. He's getting a lot of attention now. He's he's you know, and, and how he responds to that, you know, that that will determine ultimately the rest of his recruiting path. Just like all these players, uh, you can you can kind of nip it in the bud fast and say, I appreciate the interest. I'm committed to Penn State. Period. Or you can develop new relationships on new campuses with new coaching staffs and take it from there. Everybody kind of has their own unique circumstance and how they want to play with that. But, uh, you know, it's also not every coach is respectful, uh, ultimately, or or has the social cues to understand when a prospect is no longer interested in conversing. And that's what you can get into these kind of scenarios where you put off creepy vibes uh, because you keep hitting up the player. Whether it's through text, whether it's just calling them or reaching out to, to their family, that's when you start to maybe cross some lines, turn off a kid, and and really hurt your school instead of helping your school by being a proactive recruiter. So you know that's the now the fine line that a lot of these prospects are walking. Um, you know, and 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 we and we've seen a bunch of them come out. We've been tracking them up on the message board at Lions twenty four seven. I'm sure we we've, we've uh, there's been probably a dozen more since we started recording, Sean. But uh, Penn State sending them out left and right. They're not just for commits or, or guys who already have offers you're seeing them go to you know some guys who maybe be fringe targets uh, down the line that they're going to want to see more of um but but very clearly um you know a special day for the junior class but also uh you know it gets real in a hurry and, and and this is when i think the pressure can start to get the prospects and i know that's hard to believe they're only halfway through high school but especially now that many of them aren't playing and they don't have that outlet to go on the field and when it just gets about recruiting that's where you wonder where are you gonna put a 16 year old mentally? What that may do to him? How he sees himself? How he sees the process? And that can change a kid, unfortunately. Absolutely, can. We've seen it many, many times. Uh, the kid at the
1: end of the process is not always the kid, the bright eyed kid that was looking forward to getting those messages on September 1st. I also like when you take a look at this, and you mentioned Shamar Stewart earlier. We, you know, we we had written about him in the past. He's been on the radar thanks to Jaywon Sider. But you look uh, across the country. At some of the targets that you maybe didn't really see Penn State being in on, or maybe Penn State really wasn't connected. A guy like Forrestark, uh, defensive end Kenyatta Jackson at Shamanah Madonna down in Florida, where, uh, where John Dunmore played his ball. Michael Williams down in uh, Columbus, Georgia is a top 50 kid tweeted out. So you, you get a little bit of buzz. You get a little things going. You get these edits out there that these kids love so much and, and sort of get, uh, you know, you, you, it's a double edged sword. You, you establish contact at the same time. You market your program. I think the the graphics department has done a really good job once again um, at getting these out there and getting them out to to priority targets. And you know, you see it. The guys turn around, they share it, and that's uh, you know pretty much their their entire morning is spent uh, turning around these edits and
0: and putting them on their Twitter. And that's that's very good for your program. Well, we're fresh off of, uh, well, not so fresh anymore, but just a few weeks removed from a really impressive uh, stretch for Penn State. I think it was four commits in a 17, 18-day stretch uh, to start out the 2022 class. Been a little bit of a a moment here for us to collectively uh, catch our breath after all that. But the next commitment may not be around the corner, Uh, It may not be far around the corner, Sean. you got a crystal ball pick in for an in-state player, Ken Talley out of Philadelphia, committing September 8th. And and I've seen him tweeting, uh, people seem to think they know where I'm going. Uh, they don't know anything or, you know, those kind of tweets. I'm going to shock the world kind of tweets. Um, did not throw you off the scent, though, it seems like.
1: <laughs> I feel like we're getting a lot of that in 2022. Guys have a lot of time on their hands. So if you're if you're <laughs> trying to, to parse through uh, Twitter, you know, you can pick some stuff up from Twitter, but there's going to be guys that are going to try you, to throw, throw you off the scent. I think Ken Talley's that guy. I think Makai Flowers uh, at Steel High is, is one of those guys. So don't read all that much into it. But uh, no, I like my pick for Talley. He's set to announce on September 8th, uh, just a week from today. And, you know, Penn State has tried to make a concerted effort in Philly. You know, they hope that, that, that Talley can be one of those guys that helps them get him in there. You, uh, Anaya White, you have written down here, is one of those guys sharing the graphics. Five-star defensive end from uh, from Philly uh, Imhotep. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is an opportunity for Penn State to sort of. Get back in there, get their foot back in the door of Philly, South Jersey, Delaware, in that whole area that they've kind of gotten away from in the last few cycles, and really make themselves a presence once again. Um, Tally's a guy that uh, he, you know he projects as a linebacker at Penn State. I see him as an edge rusher. Really, I think we've talked about him a few times in the last couple of weeks, but uh, I see him as an edge rusher, probably a three-four typical guy that goes after the quarterback. He's got some snap off the edge. He's got uh, you know varying sizes anywhere from six one to six three, and anywhere from from 205 pounds to 230. I'll call them 6'2", 215. And when I get a measurement, we'll update it. I uh, That's the one thing about not having kids on campus. Uh, you don't really get the actual measurements and you know sometimes that uh, hurt a kid help a kid whatever um but uh yeah you just continue there and and be nice to see something getting gone getting going on the defensive side of the ball tally's a you know a very talented prospect kind of a four-star across the board type kid top 247 kid um so you get going and you get some in-state momentum in the process and i think that penn state's
0: in a good spot going into his announcement next week uh, Tally considered the uh, number eight overall prospect in Pennsylvania when you look at the composite rankings. Uh, Anai White, who we mentioned sharing the graphic uh, um, today from Penn State, uh, tops that list. He's number five overall in the nation, um, a true defensive end um, in his right. And uh, Sean, when we look at the 2022 in-state class, another name that, that has popped up. Of late, and you've mentioned him before—an impressive athlete and a kid that you caught up with this week, Anthony Smith out of Shippensburg. I know you just referenced this, and and him turning his phone off—that's a good sign for him uh, to to get that kind of buzz going on to September first. But uh, certainly a guy to watch on Penn State's radar. Yeah, I I, t- I talked to him last week. He said he was looking forward to the excitement about it. And then when I
1: talked to him today, he had to shut his phone off. So that's how quick <laughs> that that whole thing moves. Very intrigued by Anthony Smith. And obviously, he's a mid-pen kid. And we, I, you know, I played Shippensburg against Shippensburg every year growing up, and we were in the same conference and everything like that. So, always like those mid, to follow those mid-pen kids. Just very interesting because he's 6'5 plus, probably still growing. Um, he's about 260, 265 pounds right now. Said he's gotten up to 290. Very curious as to where he projects because you, you know, you look at him right now, he says defensive end, but you can't help but, but seeing that frame he's probably going to be a 300 pounder at some point. So you think you'd probably move him to the interior or do you flip him over to the other side of the ball as an offensive lineman? But he's a big body, very athletic, uh, good basketball player as well. There's a lot to like about, uh, you know, he's a project, but there's a lot to like about a project like that. So impressed with uh, with what Smith brings to the table. As I said, a lot of defensive ends, a lot of defensive linemen um, sort of popping up on the radar in this 2022 clash. You mentioned Stewart already. We mentioned Anai White already, Danny Dennis Sutton. Is a guy that, you know, they're very interested in and he's very interested in them. Uh, Aiden Gobira from from Virginia is a guy that Penn State's in a really good spot for. So there's a lot of guys that you could look at this uh, at this next class and say could realistically see them getting in there, which is kind of a far cry from what we've seen in 2021 so far.
0: We talked about Gobira last episode, the Crystal Ball pick in from Brian Doan for Penn State there. Notre Dame also a factor, but all of a sudden defensive momentum building after uh, some offensive ex- uh, fireworks for Penn State early on the 2022 trail. Well, we've hit 2021, we've hit 2022. Let's finish off with the 2023 note here, Sean. Uh, Another example of players taking it upon themselves to to get to campus with family, even though the NCAA rules are not permitting you to to have that full unofficial visit uh, experience where you'd be with staff members in team facilities and going through that whole process, but uh, Alex uh, Birchmeyer. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Alex Birchmeyer considered the number two offensive tackle in the initial 2023 rankings of 24 seven sports, a top 30 overall talent right there on the cusp of how our rankings council is viewing the, the potential five stars down the road as they develop in these next three high school seasons. But a kid who you know took it upon himself, as I said, to see Penn state firsthand, he gave Brian Doan some feedback that's up on lines 24 seven, but, To have that, you know, this is where this is how you prevent yourself from falling behind if you're Penn State is, you know, making sure that even if you can't be there to hold their hand through the process, they still get a feel for what your environment is what your atmosphere is like, what the drive even is like to get from your hometown, the Happy Valley. I think that's an important thing that we don't even talk about. To experience that drive, sitting in the car with mom and dad, leaving your house to get to campus. What does that feel like to you? Is that a manageable distance for you? Is it too close? Is it too far? That's the stuff that if you can check that off your list now as a sophomore like, like this kid is, that's important in the long run for Penn State. And Penn State wants you to do that in the summer
1: when it's not going to potentially snow and wipe yes. out your trip. So, uh, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there. Birchmeyer is, is a top looking prospect and it's very early. And, you know, you're not sure how offensive linemen will develop over the next couple of years, but it's, you know, he's he, it's a good start. And I think Penn State's on a good start. I'm going to write a little bit uh, more about the 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 allure of Phil Troutline and what he's been able to do so far, especially in those with those underclassmen. So I think Penn State's offensive line recruiting is going to take a, a big step forward. And I think that that's really something that you can hang on for the next couple of cycles. So I'm um, excited to see which direction that goes to. Birchmeyer's a guy. Um, there's a couple other names in 2023 that are just kind of escaping my head because I'm not really in the 2023 mindset right now. But very, very good start to that uh, to that cycle for Penn
0: State up on the offensive line. Mega Barnwell on board, potentially uh, in the offensive line mix down the road, but focused right now at tight end has shed some weight and one of the few 2023 commits across the nation. Uh, Penn State holds that pledge. Sean, we we started off with Big Ten confusion. Worked our way into a lot of recruiting talk this episode. Anything to add before we step away and wait to see what the news cycle brings us before episode two this week?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm scrolling through my phone right now and just trying <laughs> just to, to, to figure sure. out what we've you know what has changed since we talked about it 20 <laughs> minutes ago. So everything is of course changing every second. So that's why we are 24 seven sports, and that's why we encourage you to check out the website as I transition into my plug. Thank you for listening to us again. Uh we, we need more questions. So uh five star mailbag Apple Apple Podcast. We wanna, you know, see those reviews. We want to see those questions. We we are happy to talk all we can about the mailbag because with no football, we're gonna have to fill it. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna lean on you to do it. So we appreciate those questions. We appreciate those reviews and we we frankly want more of them. So thanks to everybody that's done it so far and keep keep the questions coming.
0: And Sean just to confirm lines 247 tailgate. Not happening Saturday? That's question mark. Uh, I mean, that's up to my father
1: <laughs> and he's not handling the news all that well, so I, I you know, that might be one of those things that changes between this recording and the next recording. He might show <laughs> up go. at my house on Saturday morning and
0: fire up my grill. I don't know what he's going to do. He's insane. Well, we'll miss you all on September 5th. We'll certainly miss being in Beaver Stadium for football, which we plan to do for so long, but we'll keep it going here on Lions 24-7 and the podcast, uh, bringing you the latest in Nittany Lions football and recruiting news and see what the Big Ten serves up to us uh, as this week and and these months move forward. For now, we're stepping aside. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue, as always, here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.